All right, well, we'll uh, do it, man. Hey, hey, just I think we just need to commit, and then whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Three, <laughs> Three, two, two one. one. Let's, Let's go! go! <laughs> yeah! We got it. We got it. <laughs> I am your host of the PBE Podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, of course, joined by the co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, Gips, is here. We have Sean McCoy with us from the Oil & Gas uh, Global Network community. He is also a part of the ESG, the Environmental, Social, and Governance community. Man, this show is so much. I don't know how we're going to recage this thing right now, Skippo, but first... Yeah. What's the latest with Skips, man? I know the Raiders are doing their thing. Dude, what else? I mean, you got? it's it, it's a good time in my life right now. The Cowboys uh, aren't playing too well. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but the Raiders are playing. I don't know how we're winning games, but we're doing it. I'll take it, uh, dude. But life is good, dude. Just got back from Montana, visited wow. the old stomping grounds, looked at uh, did some hunting, did some fishing, and then uh, yeah, just went back to you know the places that, in my opinion, turned me into a geologist. It was just kind of a good getaway from all the you know being quarantined quote unquote at home so oh, man. it was much much needed outdoor socializing man oh. future for for everyone man get out and go camping dude but well scratch my side i think you had a little bit of a, a bigger life moment you know a couple days ago i mean you know family grew by one man congratulations yeah man joe jay's tittlemeyer man he's a hyphen <laughs> He's dude, dude, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> dude, wow. That uh the building of energy, the the release of that energy, the experience of becoming a, a father for the second time, essentially, right? And and that is a real reminder of you know how much fun and how amazing this life is and our opportunity to take these breaths and speak to each other man it, it just elevates it to a whole nother level and i've expanded that into my business and everything else <laughs> and that's how i get rid of it that's how i release all that uh, that energy that my heart and mind takes on man and, and he's been such a cool kid dude <laughs> he's got his hands he <laughs> he's the man he's the man and and and, and uh, i call her big mama my wife did and you know jocelyn she's just absolutely coming back from it better than the first child she's motivated she's excited to get out get sun get hiking you know she's gosh man i'm so proud to have her as a wife she's an incredible woman incredible love man so so when i'm here with you guys i get i get the the comfort to know that she's there and taking care of the fam man so it allows us to to create shows like this skips oh yeah i mean this this show in particular was great it's off kind of off of what we typically talk about but it's something that needs to be talked about right because this is something that you know even for technical folks right we get so deep into the weeds and what we do we kind of forget about you know the big picture stuff the true big picture stuff and and sean i think shout out sean does a great job of breaking it down and explaining the complexities of esg which it, which was just a learning experience from start to finish for me agreed agreed sean welcome to the show man you know i'm happy to be here man i just so appreciate the invite love what you guys are doing love the show because it, it allows me to take out and be a little bit of a nerd on that side and learn because I don't know um, the word super superification. What's the word? Serpentinization. Serpentinization. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh man, I got to figure that out. So I love that kind of stuff. Thank you for doing that. 
Man, that's awesome, dude. Well, this show, without question, is a big one, man. When you're talking about environmental, social, and governance, we're combining what we do in the oil and gas industry. You are creating shows that have case studies of real-life situations that all of a sudden a new governing body came out, and now that business has felt pressure that it had a complete curveball. didn't exist in anyone's conscious before that time. Governance came in, major curveball for the business. I look forward to those shows with you and what you're doing there. I truly do believe when I said that you should be there, you should get a seat at the table and talk to people about what's going on in our industry and how we're getting through this, man. I think you you would be perfect for that. It was a it was an honor to share this time with you. You too, my friend. You too. Both you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we we touched on a lot of cool stuff on this show, but but I mean for me, I I think the thing that I, my biggest takeaway uh, for sure was the scope of the different problems, right? So you can go from like you were talking about, Sean, from, you know, on the environmental side, from a bush in your front yard to, you know, total emissions in the U.S., right? What, you know, like what is the scope of this impact and how that impact affects us socially, right? And then, you know, the, the tie-ins that you had up in Michigan as far as, hey, we have all this infrastructure from oil and gas that's not being used. Hey, let's use it to power people's homes, stuff like that. And I mean, you can get so deep in the weeds. You can get, and that's where I think my mind is spinning right now is how everything is so interconnected and so complex. Yeah. So oh, it's a big, it's a big, big topic for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We attacked it, man. I feel pretty dang good about the show and <laughs> how we discussed these things and got forward and moved forward and bringing geology back into the major focus for from my perspective and sharing that passion and sharing that idea. So I appreciate you giving us the opportunity, man, uh, to, to have this discussion and to hear your thoughts and combine. And, and now we're a mass of three moving forward, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a large target to try to figure out. I mean, even even how to attack, how to understand. Uh, but I think we're up for it. And it's one of those things. It's like when you're going to, if you think about the complexity of what you guys do, I mean, how do you evaluate that amount of, you know, geological surface area and uh, below the, you know, below the earth? And how do you get a, such an accurate picture of it that you can create a business model and succeed at it and do well? It's a, it's a tall order. We take a lot of that for granted just as a basic premise, a little bit of what Skips was saying. It can be really easy to, to forget just how difficult this is, but they were up for it. I mean, I definitely want it to be a hopeful conversation for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. And, and I, the nonprofit side on my side, Mad Kim Research Institute and Skips is, I mean, we're, we're moving that forward. How could this scale and this model be built? It was 50 years of, of these very amazing stories and it's all there for us to consume now and make sense of this is not just an idea it's the fact that we're moving forward with with uh, real substance real value that people can dive into tomorrow and uh, and really start making a difference so mm-hmm. and we take it very seriously our responsible uh, responsibility at pbe we love having humor and we love the fact that we can make these great shows and it's conversations that really lead to value at the end of the day so i think that's it skips what do you think is this show ready to begin I think I think we're ready to start this bad boy. Let's get this thing rolling.
Sean McCoy, this is the conception part of the show, and uh, and it ha- I am, I'm looking forward to getting to know you and getting to know more about uh, everything you got going on. The Canon, I see that, and I don't know much about it with uh, the Oil & Gas Network community, uh, our global network community. And, uh, and so the conception part is our opportunity to get to know you, your perspective, your career and experiences that really allow you to speak to the subject that we'll get to today and dive into, we'll drill down into ESG, environmental, social, and governance uh, around oil and gas. And so this is... For me, exciting. I'm looking forward to what your uh, your story is. So, so I was trying to remember. This is this isn't the part where we yell "Let's go," is it? Or do we? I'm ahead. I'm just I'm just been I've been amped. I want to make sure that I do it right. <laughs> start getting there and, Save that energy. Save that energy. Save it. Oh, it's yeah. It's it's there. No worries. So you know, obviously, this you know, it's honored uh, to be here. Honored to be a chance to represent uh, the the chance to talk about this subject with you guys. And I really appreciate your show. I appreciate what you're doing. I love listening to it. And, and it really is uh, coming from perspective of, uh, historically, I, I'm in my 18th year of the oil and gas industry. I started in 2000 with Schlumberger on the upstream side around, I wasn't in the field, but I was in manufacturing, supporting the field in various roles. I dealt with, I heard you guys talk about uh, you know density neutron. So the majority of my time at Schlumberger, I was actually the nuclear products champion that built the, the density source and Amber assumes ambi source as well. So I made that and all the auxiliary equipment. So when you guys are talking about that stuff in my head, I'm going, I know, I know that I know just enough about from the supply side. Like I took care of all the physics guys and all the geo, you know, the geo guys and all the rest of that stuff to help them in, you know, as far as the triple combo and stuff like that. So, so I have a, I have an affinity and a love for the fuel locations in, in that particular data set. And so, and you don't get to talk about that so pretty often. And I actually worked for a company uh, supporting the oil and gas industry or supporting company, uh, customers like Schlumberger, Halliburton. I used to sell the assets too for a company out of Boston. And so I, I know a lot of nuances and interesting stuff about source material and things of that nature. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great chance to kind of nerd out. Then, let, let's, let's take a yeah. chance to nerd out for a second. Yeah. Let's talk about oh, yeah. neutron density. Yes. It is two separate sources Correct. receiving two separate data points from essentially the same footage Kind of, so, yes. Well, so well, kind of. Well, so the so the, well, the as you know, the density measurement was always done by that with the cesium source using um, using gamma rays. Basic. Right. When I used to tell people basic chemistry around, you know, the, as you guys know better than I do, you're, you know, oil is this dense, water is this dense, and whatnot. To give you not just a geological layer uh, from from a standpoint of what the rock looks like, but where are the hydrocarbons relative to it. And I used to try to tell people from a conventional standpoint, back when conventionals ruled the plays. Right, that's you wanted to know where that sweet spot was, so you had to get a really good 4D image of where that is. And then I used to always tell people the the sponge the sponge analysis around porosity. I was like, well, you have rock and it doesn't look porous, but it does change, and that's one of those metrics that it becomes efficient. It becomes this is this is kind of the math takes over. You know how viable is the is the well? How viable is the formation? And using those neutrons to get that basically that that porous version of it in terms of how how hydrocarbons flow. And so that was a majority of what I did. And so a cesium source is sending out what exactly to measure the density of the rock and fluid? Yeah, gamma rays. So you basically use this collimator made out of like tungsten or pretty much tungsten is a big one or something dense like that. You basically make a collimation around the gamma rays. It gives you like a focal aspect. And as it's, as it's rotating or as you're doing a wireline operation, you're basically just, you're just permeating the formation. And as you read that back in other places of the, of the, of the tool, you use those things and extrapolate out data sets that then give you an opportunity to create that 4D picture relative to the formation. 
Skips, got anything before I dive into another question about that? <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Keep firing off. I like where your head's at. You're talking cesium and now tungsten. So the relationship between those metals and the really the tungsten. So is it, how much science has gone into uh, messing with that particular metal that the signal's going out of and coming back in? Because you got so many other options, I would assume. Sure. Well, well so it's kind of simplistic. It's not really all that um, um, complicated. It's because it's the densest. It's the densest metal. Like you use lead or you use tungsten. Mm. you want to actually focus mm. that gamma ray emission because the gamma ray doesn't know or care what it's you're asking it to do right that's so you cool kind of trick it into like giving you this precision that's where the precise measurement comes from that's where the analysis high level analysis comes from in terms of collimation and stuff like that i was in china years ago and they were having a really difficult time they were using some knockoff sources kind of backdoored in into the country from other places and they were constantly doing these wireline logs and they kept drilling they kept uh, getting these logs saying there was oil and they kept producing water. They couldn't figure it out. And so I went in there, gave them this presentation and basically showed them that the collimation. So if you imagine a, a flashlight versus a laser and, and not just for sight, but for measurement in terms of how you perceive it back to you. So you want a, you want a laser, you want this focused, high focused beam of energy to get, a, to get a better evaluation of the formation. Then you do this kind of sporadic gamma rays are bouncing all over the place and being received back the other way. Wow. So two, so, Interesting. Yeah. Bang, the laser beam goes out. Boom, it's bringing back laser beams of data. And uh, and that is awesome. That's why we can do things like we're doing on Mars and other countries or meteorites. We can land on that stuff, shoot with laser beams, and the robot's going, hey, this is what it's uh, this is what it's potentially all about. Now, take me into the neutron. All right, we're sending... Well, I got one, I got one question, just to yeah. back up to the gamma. So the tool itself, how is it designed differently when you're looking at just your standard gamma versus like a spectral gamma? So, well, so if I remember correctly, I didn't, I remember the spectral gammas is, is much more of kind of, a, I think a lot of it is penetration, if I remember correctly. Now, keep in mind, mm -hmm. I, have to con I have to confess, I was a manufacturing engineer, yeah. not the mechanical engineer. So <laughs> if there's anybody out there that if I'm off a little bit and it's been, this is 2020, so it's been a little over 10 years since I've messed with that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm digging back. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. We're doing fine, man. Yeah. Okay, well, so, so key, some, of the, some of it starts to come back as you start rolling through this. I'm not sure yeah. I can remember what ESG stands for. But um, <laughs> so, so the gamma, it's a, it's a much more, it's a, I think it's a, it's a more focused, powerful measurement. If I remember the gammas, the natural gammas was much more of kind of a geological impression, if I remember correctly. We're just trying mm -hmm. to understand the natural aspects of the rock to give you more of a, a composition uh, measurement rather than just like a precision kind of like relative to the hydrocarbons. You're more of a geological layer and kind of where that is, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So it's a different it's a different ask of the source, even though you hear those two and sometimes you get confused because there'd be gamma companies and, and our a company I work for, I'd be like, well, how come we don't sell to them? I'm like, well, they use a, their gamma sources are like minutia in terms of curie rate and strength. Uh, we were using a 1.7, 1.6 uh, Curie um, source for the gamma rays from the gamma or for the gamma measurement side. So I think it's more of a it's more of a uh, measurement of the natural gammas of the formation versus introducing gamma rays to get a, per, a, a perception of the, of the formation. Gotcha. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for breaking that down. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, what was really cool is you guys might like this. So the actual cesium material they actually put it in a in a ceramic. They would actually heat it and they would embed it into this ceramic glass pill. Wow. We didn't have this um, uh, uh, MP35N, just second and third level casings with like, I mean, literally zero to no tolerance. I used to be able to take some of these secondary and tertiary encapsulations and, I, and it was so, the tolerances were so tight that the air would hold the capsule up as it would slide down like an elevator. Because you want, 
that precise center of activity mm-hmm. where that you want that center of activity to be exactly where you expect it to be from an engineering standpoint, because that impacts the quality right. of your measurement. So yeah. Schlumberger was obviously extremely good at this, but if you're not, you can then have, then you have poor equipment, you have poor measurements, you have poor data. Yeah. Then you're finding water. Wow. Very interesting, man. Because, and then this next one kind of ties into ESG a little bit, in my opinion, because we're talking radioactivity and uh, (laughs) device gets a little, a little more interesting. Uh, But the other thing I thought of, and we can come back to, or we can just leave it alone is, is the idea that Schlumberger was able to have an R&D department with obviously millions and millions of dollars that went ahead. They made decisions 20 years ago and went ahead and they came up with this cesium capsule and this tungsten body that, you know, this design to, to get the best results, the most reliable results. Uh, that's constrained by some ESG rules, I'm sure, at, at Schlumberger. There's some safety involved in all that. But the other thing that I'm interested in is, you know, what is the agility of Schlumberger, in your opinion, when the geology catches up to the drill bit, for example, and now we are thinking about these reservoirs in a completely different way, and Schlumberger is going to have to respond. What's well, they did. Like? Yeah, so they, so they did. So what you're getting at, and so there's, so the Ambisource, real quick, basically they use, uh, you combine beryllium, the metal, with, uh, with americium-241. So americium-241 is an alpha emitter, and so what you do is you basically mix like, like you do chocolate chip cookie dough, and you try to get as much of the beryllium around the actual um, americium uh, molecule, if you want to call it, or just the component, or the, uh, because when it reacts with that, then it produces neutrons. Other than it's just an alpha emitter and it's useless. Whoa. So and that's the same alpha emitter that you use in your smoke detectors, by the way. And then what they do is there's a little pad, and they basically the alpha emitter goes across when, when moisture basically gets in there and stops it or, or moves it around. That's how they know there's smoke. That's how a smoke detector works. The battery is just for the sound. It's not for the actual detection. That is awesome. So the same thing used in your neutron sources is actually in your, in everybody's home and everybody's smoke detector. And so. It's <laughs> freaking crazy. I had no idea about that. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so stuff like that. And so what you do is you, so then you mix those two things. Well, so the problem with that, and one of the things that Schlumberger did that was, that was really, really amazing, wasn't just the actual mechanics around it, but the, um, the ability to fish it. So if you're drilling, if you're drilling with a tool, a tool that has two nuclear sources in it, um, especially back in the day, the conventional is the wireline. Well, what happens if it gets stuck? So this is like ESG before yeah. it was ESG before. Got to condemn that hole, right? So you con- right, you can't, you can't, you can't go back in there. So that's a big, big problem. So they designed this thing. It looked like a javelin. This is what I used to build. It was, it was a, it was a, um, basically it had a, a, a titanium rod and would bend and all this other stuff in the pockets, but you could actually fish it. So if the tool got stuck, you could actually go down and fish just the sources and pull them out of the tool. Uh, totally change the diameter of the thing, make it easy to get back up the hole. Yeah, yep. It literally looked like a javelin. Yeah, yeah. Smart. It had a little shear pin. It would run. It, it was inside the flow. It was inside the internal mud flow. You just basically just grip it and yank it out, and you could. So that way you could abandon the tool, but you could salvage the sources. Salvage the hole at yeah. least. Let's go. That's that's <laughs> smart stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so all, but all that to say, so now fast forward to 2009 or new 2010 as the shales come on board. So here's the funny thing. So if, if in a conventional well, you need 
density and you need porosity. Those are like two of the big ones, right? Two mm-hmm. massively important from a viability standpoint. From I mean, I remember there, I listened to these uh, scientists and uh, companies like Chevron would say stuff like, "This is the, these are the most important measurements. Like everything's dictated off of this, right? I mean, it all, it's in terms of critical. Now there's lots of them. So don't yeah. misunderstand me, but just... So, so the accuracy around those measurements is extremely important to, for, from, a, from a conventional standpoint. Introduce horizontals. Well, what do you know about a horizontal? A, a shell play, you know where the oil is. It's in that layer, right? The hydrocarbons are stuck in the shell. Uh-huh. So, so your density measurement's kind of useless. You're in it. That's, that's the big thing. So in a sense, right? So in, it's, in yeah. a sense, you don't have to know where the oil is vertically speaking from a conventional standpoint. The unconventionals, you're in it. You're in the layer as you as soon as you hit it and you go into it. Yeah. Right in in right. and around it for sure. They're like right. You have, you have variations, mm-hmm. but you're in it. You're not searching for it like in a conventional. And yeah. what was the big thing that started? What was the what was the what's everybody's favorite word? Everybody, no matter who you are, you know what this word, and that's fracking now, right? Because you're going to introduce fracking into the into the shell. Well, what does that do? That introduces porosity. Mm-hmm. In the oh, sense. Yeah. yeah, permeability, yeah. And so, the density change, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're me is sitting in, in your office in 2011, 2010, Schlumberger commercializes this tool called the Neoscope. And the Neoscope tool uses a PNG, by the way, instead of a set of sources. So then they do want to check the neutrons and they do want to check the gammas. They can turn the, the neutron generator on and off. The big problem yeah. with the new the big problem with the regular conventional source is it's good and it's bad at the same time. Uh, engineering-wise, the source is always on, so you never have to worry about it not working. But when you pull it out of the hole, it's still on. And there's people, back to ESG, people have to mess with that. And that's never a good day. Yeah. Right? Even, even the most prominent, right? It's, it's, you start getting stuff in your head. There's all, you know, we have visions of three-headed monsters and Three Mile Island and everything's crazy and everybody panics. Oh, my God, it has a trefoil on it. So I have to, I have to lose my mind. And I used to tell people, I said, don't worry. I said, the only things that emit radiation are things made of atoms. And then they would kind of look at me and go, yeah, like everything. So it's going to be okay. It's going to, yeah. it's, it's going to be okay. I promise. And I'd have dummy sources on my desk and people would ask me, oh, is that real? And if I wanted them to go away, I would say, yeah, that's a real source. It's just sitting on my that, desk radiating. <laughs> that is awesome. How long were you with Schlumberger? So a little over nine years, 2000 to 2009. And I spent the majority of that time as the nuclear products champion uh, in LWD doing uh, not only making these sources, but then I did all the auxiliary equipment. And I actually, one of my favorite things I did when I was there was I designed a, a leak test and inventory assistant, which became standard in all DNM locations throughout Schlumberger. And it was basically, that was my, I designed it myself, even though I'm not an engineer, but it was basically to help uh, field location uh, operational personnel uh, interact with the sources because there's this fear, you know, it's, it's, it's one of these fears. When, if you don't know something, ignorance takes over and fear takes over. And then, but once you understand what it is and you're, and you're comfortable with it and you give people a medium to integrate and do the stuff they're supposed to properly, it can go a long way. So that was my, one of my happy places. And so I was there for a little over nine years. And at the same time, while I was there, I started out in electronics, started out doing repair work, started doing working with suppliers and field locations and really got a love for uh, the men and women out there that are on the more or less the front lines of the oil field services side. Uh, when I was there that are working all day long, all night long, and I'm the guy working Monday through Friday in the, in the product center. But I was, I, I made sure I took care of my people for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where'd you go from, uh, from that? So I'm taking notes to, to no, get okay. back on track. So, when uh, I, and so as a side note to that, while I was at Schlumberger, you know, you obviously you talked about safety, you talked about environment, you talked about 
um, just culture, stuff of that nature, which I think is very important in this discussion. Safety, if you talk to anybody in the industry, I mean, I reverse, I reverse park to this day. I've never stopped doing that. Um, and so, and I also got very, very involved in the corporate social responsibility side. I got very involved in, and also on a personal level, just kind of this, this consistent question around what's the role of business um, outside of the kind of the, the either you know, supplying a product or service and obviously being profitable when you do that. What else right, do we expect from an employer? What else do we expect from a company from a social standpoint? What else can we do and what are we supposed to do? And what does that look like? In 2005, while I was at Schlumberger, I helped create a, um, a softball tournament that's still going on to this day that raises between three to $400,000 a year for kids with pediatric cancer. And I got to work with other companies. And so we used it as a company standpoint, a B2B uh, interrelational aspect in terms of um, um, not only suppliers, but also uh, peers in the industry. Uh, we worked together with NOV for gosh, a little over 12 years. I reached out to them, we combined these efforts. And so you got to see uh, a philanthropic model and then also you know, in some elements around that in terms of my own personal experience in, in the corporate world around um, even, even how you handle that. You, know, you can do these events, but what are you doing on a day-to-day -day standpoint from a sustainability aspect? And what's your responsibilities and roles and, and, and restrictions around uh, when I used to deal with nuclear sources, right? All the time, there's, there's an inherent responsibility that you have. Sure, there's federal, state, local mandates, but then the company itself has a mandate, right? And where your standard right. wants to be and what is acceptable to you, which is part of the equation and yeah. definitely ties into the ESG side as well. Right, man, I think the reality and, uh, and, and what I'm hearing and thinking back and, and what I'm doing now, the whole thing, you know, we, it's hard to open up your scope when you have the problem that needs to be solved and that's your responsibility to communicate with resources around you that are going to help you solve that problem and that are actually excited that you're calling them to help excite you know solve that problem but now you're talking about reaching out to other companies right you got to open up this scale right now to for us to actually recover from this it's going to take the industry it's business science and the people it's all in as we're reorganizing and and getting through this yeah. so the individuals got to open up that scale skippo you got experience in this man I, this is what i'm up it's a 5 minute conversation <laughs> call hey this is what I'm up against. And Skips comes with that slightly different perspective to your problem. Mm -hmm. And bang, you're now opening up that. Yeah. And so I think what's important, uh, and this is part of where I was really excited about coming into in to talk to you about, because I know, I know listening to your show, I know by following you, um, uh, it, it's one of the, it's, it's a theme I've heard from you. And it's something that I would invite you both on some level to entertain. We were, we're getting to know each other. I listen to what y'all say. And I'm like, those are my people. Those are the kind of people I would be, you know, if we live next to each other, we would hang out in the evenings. We would, we would talk and we're, you know, so I, I, I understand and I definitely understand and appreciate logic, science, engineering, you know, here's a problem. Here's a solution. Let's get mm -hmm. it. Let's go. Let's get it done. Right. hundred percent. I mean, I grew up that way. I was that way for a long time. And there's, there's, there's a certain amount of, uh, what's nice about it is that there's a certain amount of undeniability around and where we, I think a lot of us struggle you start talking about things like science or you look over and goes, how can somebody believe that the earth is flat? How can somebody believe this, right? And even, and even where I think this real struggle starts to really become intense. And I think there's, this is where we're starting to, and we're seeing it now relative to this subject right. is it's like, well, wait a minute, here's, here's the facts. Um, you know, when the prime minister of England gets on the television and says, here's our carbon net neutral goals by 2050, 
and a quick cursory understanding of logistics shows him that, hey, you'd have to build like a windmill farm a day, every day for the next 30 years to make, to hit that just based on yeah. your model here without anything else ever changing over the next three decades. Oh, and by the way, you're already behind, right? <laughs> so, so, right? And so we, and so we tend to, but so, so there's this war, right? In a sense that we feel like we have between science, logic, reasoning, practicality, and then there's this, here comes unicorns and rainbows and hearts and feelings <laughs> uh, right? into, into, into the mix. It's where, yeah, people making emotionally based decisions opposed to, you know, like you said, decisions based on logic. Sure. And, and so I think the invitation I would give, especially, and I think it ties into the subject, ties back into the subject, if you will. And it's kind of a help from a listener standpoint, I would encourage people to, it, it, seems, it seems rational, no pun intended or, or logical to just, 86 the emotional side and just if i just get the facts i'm good right mm-hmm. then i can make a decision i would entertain the idea of, especially in the realm of the vsg and as we look at it and how businesses are going to have to account for it you're not going to be able to do that quantifiably because there's going to you're going to bring in at just you're doing it anyway whether you whether you like to admit it or not i would argue but you're especially on these topics yeah you're going to bring in an emotional side Oh, that yeah. emotional side is going to be extremely strong and prevalent. Oh so yeah. Th- it shouldn't, and it shouldn't be all of one, and it shouldn't be all of the other, because we, right. as humans, we can't do that. We like to think that we can. Right. It's just that you can see cognitive dissonance in a scientist just as much as you can see it in a, you know, in a sixteen-year-old girl talking about, oh, yeah. you know, climate change, and all she's ever done is take one social studies class, you know, and barely understands how to, you know, even what a geological layer looks like, let alone no. all the stuff that you guys know. Yeah, so, I was gonna say, yeah, you go to a conference and that's, you know, you'll watch some guy do a presentation. You'll be you'll say, hey, there's like these errors here and there, but he'll go to his grave saying those are the correct answers. Mm-hmm. Not because, you know, like you said, logic and reasoning has been taken out of it. Now this is like his baby. I can't, this can't ever be wrong kind of a thing. But, so, and it's his logic and it's his logic or reasoning that's, that's coupled with the, the problem is the emotion is still there, even, mm-hmm. even on something that you believe in, in, even so that I believe yep. there's an emotional connection. And as we deny that, cause it's easy to do that in business, right? Oh, it's oh, yeah. not personal. It's business. Oh, just, just work hard. Oh, just, you know, just do the right thing or just, uh, you know, just yeah. this, we, we give it this kind of singular um, focus in terms of results because it's right. hard to argue with bottom lines a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Possible to argue with logic essentially when you have it, it's impossible. Yeah. But you got to respect the the emotions. You got to respect the experience and the perspective of the conversation. Yeah. So you you describe this as a war, a psychological yes. war. So in war there are strategies. In war there are small battles. In war you can conquer something. So if we're all listening, as you suggest, and we all have this idea that we can come together and actually fight this war against. This, you know, metaphysical thing called emotion and logic that everyone has and everyone has to accept and everyone has to get through. What's, uh, what's your first strategy in this war? I would re- I would read if I'd ask you to redefine what you look at as war and what the context of war. In, uh, <laughs> I, I like it. Okay. Because what, because when you hear the word war, what do you expect? Right. We expect a winner and we expect a loser. Correct. That's right. One or the other to prevail. And what we've learned, if this is where I get my little history dork on, there, you, ideas don't go away. The people that support them may come and go, right? 
But the ideas that those people have and the idea of something, whether it's communism or socialism or nationalism or fascism or pick your ism or your style, um, these are ideas that come from the creative process of just being people in life learned and cultures and experiences. Right. So you're not going to defeat an idea. So mm -hmm. we can redefine the war as not something where we're trying to conquer, but even, but take it, it's a war, but it's not, it's an opportunity, right. To, 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 to bring in that tension of those differences, to bring in those different aspects and say, how can I, without getting my way totally, right. What, it, what am I going to be okay with somebody who just looks at me and just doesn't agree with me years ago on a business trip in Schlumberger's up in a, up with a company up in, in Canada. And, and I was young, you know, younger than I am now, obviously, but talking to this guy, I'm from Texas. I, you know, I just, just wasn't as, I just wasn't as worldly as I would like to have thought I was at the time. And we were arguing about the death penalty. You know, I'm from Texas. It's like, it's what we do. It's what we've been known as for, right? It's for, and some reason we take this perverse, you know, uh, glean that we have for many years. This is kind of what we are. And as we go, and I was looking at it from a standpoint of, well, it, you know, I just knew it prevented crime. I just knew it was retribution. It was the thing. And he just finally just kept, he finally just looked at me and said, I just don't agree. I just don't agree that we should ever do that. And it took me a moment to kind of step back and go, okay, well, in my head, I was just so committed to this idea. And he just wasn't. And why wasn't it okay for him just not to agree with me on this subject? Why, mm -hmm. why is this the hill to die on for this, for this thing? And then, and then can, I, can I acquiesce and just say that he just doesn't, he just doesn't believe that anyway. He's just it's not where he's at. And, and can we do that? Can we just, can we look at, because you're starting not to get too nuanced about it, but look at the ESG factors. Look at those three words that you just talked about, environmental, social, and governance. I mean, social, just social alone to try to quantify and have some sort of barometer on what is acceptable in any capacity on an individual, cultural, communal, socioeconomic, governmental Yep. Um, We've all agreed what the social parameters are. We've agreed on how we're gonna measure those things. We've agreed on what our targets are to achieve a certain level of proficiency or something like that. If mm -hmm. we bring our engineering and scientific mind into that scenario, how do you do that? How do you, how do you bring in this, this world of, of quantifiable metrics and data and logic into the world of just mental health? Yeah. From an employee standpoint. And I'm talking mm -hmm. like just normal mental health, not the people that are you know, suffering, suffering. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. You got to start compartmentalizing this, uh, this whole thing. And today, and the reason why this podcast even exists, and why it's not just about entertainment and having great conversations with people that I truly think that I'd be friends with for the rest of my life. But the other thing and the other obvious thing that needs to be said is that today in 2020, we as a as a population, the social aspect of environmental, social and governance is saying, all right, we don't really know what's going on. Let's start there. We have this metaphysical, psychological fight that's happening where what's the source? What's the process? Mm -hmm. We have, everyone's looking at this now. And now we got to communicate the fact that it's okay that there was a lot of misunderstood facts about our model of what is truth or what is real, right? Mm -hmm. A model is just an approximation of reality. Reality is when you put data in that model, it makes the prediction and that thing was real before it was real, right? Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's why this works. So if you go back to the basics, 
-hmm. And you start breaking down this problem from the fundamentals. I believe that is motivation and also opportunity in our country specifically because we are readdressing from the basics, which is motivating and providing opportunity for everyone, for that social category to combine and get together and say, this is now the new argument to this, this problem. That's going to unite. That's going to allow us to, to break down, drag out, fight, and figure out how do we get forward with this new information, with this new model, post-COVID-19 model, if you want to call it that. How do we get through it? Let's do it, man. That's the social aspect of it all. We could do that. We can if, if, and there, this hinges, well, hinges on a lot of things. This is the other thing is that there's, there's never a dualistic answer. It's never one or the other. There's, it's a combination of things. So if we're okay with what that model shows us, not just the model going forward, but there is an essence of we have to look backwards and understand how we got here and what has been the model previously. And so it's this, it's this something, and even on a personal level, uh, you know, after Slumberjay staying in the oil and gas industry for uh, about eight or nine years in different areas of supporting the industry through as a supplier, you know, machine shops and other people like that, and then started my own business and I got back into it a couple, and that didn't work. And then I got back into the oil and gas industry a couple of years ago. But on a personal level, I've had to understand that that system historically that we're talking about that, that worked for me and worked for you and worked for everybody else in whatever way that it did, didn't, it wasn't the same throughout. It wasn't the same for all. And are, and are we willing, and I say the collective we, uh, but I'll start with myself. Am I willing to look at and say, I've had advantages in my life, preferences for lack of a better word, because the other P word gets everybody really upset. I mean, privilege. Mm -hmm. So preferences that, it, because of my gender, preferences because of my race, preferences because of the language that I speak. I've been between the military and the oil and gas industry. I've been to 33 countries in my life. Wow. I've yet to be to a country that didn't speak English. Wow. That's a privilege. Mm -hmm. I, I gave presentations from audits I did in Ecuador to, to people inside Schlumberger and they all spoke Spanish and I was the only person that, and I only spoke English and yet I could do it. I did presentations in China uh, to, to my customers in, in their country, and I spoke English. Mm -hmm. I gave presentations at conferences in Europe, Austria, different places like that, and I got to speak it in my language. That's a privilege that I have. As sure. a, it's just, I didn't ask for it. I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything special to make it happen, but that's what it is. And so part of this, mm -hmm. part of this journey, too, and the reason why it's becoming, I think it's so interesting, Troy, too, and Skip, so you think about it from a standpoint of, uh, I use this analogy the other day on a presentation I did for some, some students in India. Uh, you take a, a, a rod of iron and a blacksmith is you know, churning it. When you're folding it, you're doing different stuff to it. What happens as it gets hot and you're banging through it? The impurities come out. That, that fire, that cauldron pushes the this, this stuff that you don't want to the surface. I think we've seen this with COVID. It has pushed it all. We, it's been there. The impurities, mm -hmm. the negative stuff, the the old stuff we don't want to talk about, the old systems we don't want to talk about, the stuff that we're not very proud of. It doesn't look good on a postcard. doesn't look good in the history books. That's right. We just kind of let it sit over. But you just, we just have always, dis not always, but we just kind of disregarded it for the yeah. most part. It, right. was, it, was, it was always put on the bookshelf and just, hey, don't worry about that. That's there, but yeah, don't worry about it. Right. Woo! We're, we're kind of, we're sorry, we're, or, whatever, or not even that. We're just kind of, we've moved on. We're better now. Yeah. You know, and that kind of thing. And so I really think what COVID did, and I think something like, um, you know, obviously, you know, George Floyd was not the first um, person, to, you know, to, to be named in that type of incident with law enforcement and stuff like that. But did it, it made all this stuff come to the surface in a time where back to logic and 
everything else, my, my finance buddies would always be like, at the end of the day, what's important, Milton Friedman, profit, profit, profit. Here we are in a pandemic, you know, eight, eight, nine percent, you know, reduction of the entire U.S. economy, massive, you know, unemployment, civil, you know, economics are in the tank for, for massive parts of it. Now we're going to see what's important and it's going to be making money and we don't care about the environment can wait. Socialism, social aspects can wait. Governance and how can wait. Yeah. And yet, what did we see? We didn't see that. We've seen it as you're talking about. Troy, we, you can't go on LinkedIn. You can't you can't scroll two feet or two inches or what do you want to call it. ESG, 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 sustainability, ESG, 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 right? Renewables, renewables, renewables. Oil and gas is going away. Oil and gas is going away. You know, President-elect Biden said it in his, in his debate, oil is dirty, right? There's this, and yeah. I mean, how, how ridiculous. It's about business, man. Business yeah. is pushing forward. Right, it is. It is. We just, I think there's, there's going to have to be, a, for lack of a better word, and I use this word in this context, a little bit of a reckoning back to what you're talking about, Skips, where we haven't, there's a reconciliation relative to the system as you're talking about. We, we're going to go forward. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But part of the issue is we've not acquiesced. We've not recognized what's got us here, the foundation. <laughs> yeah, especially the bad stuff, right? Yeah. Especially the fact that our models were completely incorrect and no one could see that, especially because the other problems that we have that no one wants to address. But we are. The metal is being twisted. The hammers are hitting. The sparks are flying. And we're getting through it just fine. <laughs> and, and it, and it kind of ties back, I guess, not to bring it full circle, because definitely not. But like you were saying with war, war, like as Sun Tzu like wrote in his book, right? It's not you know, the strategies of war. It's the art of war. War is an art, right? It's understanding what your moral values. And then you're also understanding, you know, we have these methods and these disciplines that we need to follow. But as the enemy changes, whatever that is, if you're saying it's a psychological, a scientific, a logical, you know, economic model, as that changes, we need to change as well, right? We can't expect the enemy not to come. It's our responsibility to be ready for that change. Right. Yeah. So and I let think, me throw, let me throw a little historical hope to you and give you an example of why I, I'm with you, Troy. Like it's, it is, we need to, it is about progressing. It is about the new tomorrow. The part that gives me, that gets me, lack of a better word, excited in understanding that the war is that, that, that process is going to be, that's not the sparks. That's, that's hard. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. So World War II, who, who are the, who are the two primary, what were the primary, two primary countries we fought in World War II? Let me me ask you to do this instead of using actual war, because what we're talking about is a war of something metaphysical. We're talking about the war of logic and emotion being able to come together in a human's mind to make the best decision for the best future. That's not war like we're, you know, the war, like World War Two. So do you have an example of of something like that or do you want to just go with what's your... So let me, let, me, let, me just, let me just jump on that one real quick and then I'll come back to this idea of, of how we can bring in the, because that, that's a heart and mind issue. I'll tell you, the listener, the challenge is going to be starting with ourselves first. And this, this is internally in terms of going within, not going into this political party or going after this state or after this part of the industry, which is why the rhetoric is not going to work. This idea of, and, and it gets us real defensive. You start saying, we're going to get rid of oil and gas. We're going to get rid of this industry. We're, and you're, you're now this enemy, back to the war metaphor. Mm-hmm. And what happens is what what is what happens with you? What happens with me? If you're marking me as the enemy and you're not even giving me a chance to talk about it, and it's just you versus me, there's kind of a, there's a couple of basic reactions that happen oh, yeah. to that conflict, and it's not kumbaya, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's, that's not that's not yeah. the nice reaction. So the argument, yeah. 
Yeah, you're not singing by sitting by a lake singing kumbaya like the one no, behind me. No, 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 not if you're sitting. Now, opportunity and kind of back to the the, uh, the World War II analogy was what I was getting at was it's it's our, you mentioned it, Troy the opportunity for changing the perspective and you said it two skips the what who was once our enemy is now our friend Japan and Germany I mean they were we, we, when you talk about you go look at the the Pacific Theater in the World War II in terms of the atrocities mm-hmm. and stuff that was happening and what people were doing and everywhere else. But now today, the idea of going in the United States, having a war with Japan is just- is, is Absurd. Or, or even in Europe, France and England. I mean, go check the history books. They were fighting for centuries. They're, that doesn't make any sense at all right now. Nobody would yeah. ever expect France to invade Germany or, or England to go invade whatever. So I said that to just say there's a hope and there's example, there's real examples of that heart and mind change exactly. your perspective on it, right? And Which is I mean, wasn't a lot of that rooted too because of World War One, because of how poorly Germany was treated? It was just kind of that's what manifested yeah, right. World War Two as well. So it was like you said, it was that change. It's like, hey, this clearly hasn't worked. <laughs> you, rub, you rub your nose. Treaty of Versailles rubbed the nose economically, and I mean every other lead that you want to in terms of honor, pride, and shoved the you know what was left of Germany shoved their nose in it, mm-hmm. and we're and we're and for lack of a better word, we're cruel. Mm-hmm. in terms of the in terms of their reparations and stuff like that yeah. right it's just it's how you it's how you treat like bring it to full circle to today the the way that you react as if you're on the winning side of the election or the way you act if you're on the winning side of a deal right Th- that situation how you conduct yourself relative to this or and it goes back to the, the logic and the, and the emotional side what happens when you logically finally get that person to, oh i see what you're saying yeah, you dummy, you should have. You should, Ooh. Right? Is that gonna, what's that going to do to them? They're going to be like, they're going to retreat even further. Yeah, Versus, those, wall, those walls go up and then all of a sudden, whatever you say is just going to bounce right off. It could be 100% correct, but yeah. just because, like you said, that emotional side gets into it, right? And then, yep. then there's no more room for conversation and there's no more room for ideas right. to flow back and forth. That's right. So I, I want to end the conception part of the show with just one more thing from here as as this is getting to something that I think is of real value. And it's the fact that it's at, it's us individually. It's the fact that me and you are on this phone call and I believe we just have a good time drinking whiskey at the fireplace. <laughs> uh, had a dot, just had a baby boy on Monday. Let's Congratulations. go. Congratulations. And I have a daughter. My daughter's two years old. My daughter discovers bubbles. For the first time about six months ago, I can't speak to my daughter, right? I can hold her hand and say, don't touch that. I'm teaching her what's going on, the physical world. But when I put bubbles out and she was watching the bubbles, she was reading the physics. She was understanding a language and watching something that was speaking to her that was not me. That is where we all have to get back to. We have to defend our innocence to death and it's now it's right now the fact that i don't know what's going on i don't know the solutions i am innocent in this and i am putting forward effort and passion to make the right decision and to combine the right people to make a win and so when we talk about this drill down segment we need to talk about it in context of of governance 
So regulations, social, the people, the people that are getting paid for the mineral rights as we drill and do the environmental. The operators are an environmental group, the environmental people. It's, that's what we do. We make environmental dis, uh, distinctions and, and expectations. The social responsibility of we're paying you because we think this is a value. We're going to make money. You're going to make money as a person. The government and the governance is going to say you, get, you can't do it that way anymore. But if it's because we're fighting and we're arguing about something because we're not defending our innocence. I don't know. I'm trying to make the best decision. What do you think about this? I want to know what you think and your perspective to make the best decision as we're talking about ESG in the drill down section. That's all I'm going to say. One. If you transition from conception, what are your thoughts going into ESG? How are you kind of thinking about this right now? That you're, and it's going to help you make better decisions on on what you got coming up. First and foremost, I, what I'm trying to do is stay steady. That's the first thing. Don't get so wrapped up in the fervor, right? The hope and change. And look, and I'm a unicorns and rainbow guy as well as a science and, and logic kind of guy, right? Oh, you need a little bit of both in your life, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, and I love them both because you start looking at quantum mechanics and you start to realize that yeah, your mind gets blown and then right, yeah, right. you <laughs> have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so, so all that to be said, um, you know, I, I really, I really think it's a matter of focusing on, um, you know, a, as we go forward in 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 this realm of how, how do we tackle these issues specifically? Mm -hmm. What you know, if I have an issue with it? If I have a if I have a pushback around it? If there's something other that's bothering me? I really would start with why do I have this issue? Why do I have this pushback? Why, why can I not? Why, why when somebody brings up something like that, do I just want to like push it to the side and it's not there? And so, and so, and having the faith that staying steadfast, that you're not going to have all the answers today, and that's okay. Yeah. This podcast. If you expect this podcast to give you every answer there is about ESG, I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing: you're you're opening up the dialogue, right? right? You're getting people to think about these things. Like you said, it is. It is uncomfortable to think about a lot of these ideas, especially in that corporate environment. So opening the dialogue and getting people thinking about it, opposed to just, I'm just going to put my head down at work today, do my, you know, blah, 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 and then get out, right? Just do my tasks, leave, you know, wow. come back the next day. But these things do need to get brought to light and as uncomfortable as it might be. And like, you know, maybe there is a solution that's, you know, right in front of us, or maybe that solution is five, 10, 15 years down the road. Whatever it is, people are thinking about it. Yeah, and stay steadfast mm -hmm. and, and stay the course. I think that's where the, the opportunity is and realize that we don't know right now what to do. And I mean, right. not, not, to, not to disappoint you, Troy, in that way, but we have some indications that don't make a quick decision. We, we give publicly traded companies a hard time all the time. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and even on a personal level, critical because they seem to be so reactionary. I mean, just like, you're talking about a long-term investment that you're trying to go by the week, by the day, by the minute. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Right? Yeah. It's kind of counterintuitive in a way because um, it's our tendency to like, oh my gosh, right? Oh, I got to get off the ship if it's sinking at all. Right? <laughs> Versus staying the course and realizing that, that the intentions of the people they're asking or they're pushing these narratives, if you will. And I don't mean narratives as far as like a story, like something they made up, but just pushing this. They want, we need to make sure the environment's taken care of. We need to talk about these social issues. What are the parameters in the sustenance and the sustainable uh, aspects of governance? Yeah. Who's making those decisions and why? 
and just yep. don't, and don't let it become something where because I don't have an answer right now or because I don't like the answer right now or because Skips isn't agreeing with me on this one subject that oh, I have to call it. Every single one. So you did, can I, can you, because back to the friend side, when, when you, when you, to use the word that's overused that, that is when you, when you love somebody, when you, when you're in relationship with somebody or something, even our industry, you love it for all the good and you love it for all the bad. That's right. right? And you know, there, and so that's when you start talking to people, like I've talked to a lot of people on the quote unquote renewable side in the last couple of months, especially and if you give them enough time to start talking and, and you really go through and break down those initial layers, they know they have the same problems we all do. They know right. it's not hundred percent the answer. They all know that the, the main core issue here is how do we provide energy for us to live, uh, to improve the lives that we have in terms of quality of life to whatever yeah. degree. And that no one answer of all of them from coal to wind is the only answer. No. Right. Right. Yeah, no, this is uh, illogical thinking. If that is the choice of yes. you know, which one is it, that's not the question. Yeah, uh, this was fascinating to me. The conception part of this, I feel like I am ready for the drill down section. Are you ready, Sean? Yeah, skip off. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, man. We are now officially in the drill down segment of the PB podcast with Sean McCoy and Matt the Skip Scipione. Um, before we get started, after what just learning and, and hearing more from Sean and listening to you speak, man, I am absolutely honored to share this time with you because you are enlightening me. And, and I think that's what we're in search of. And I think that's what we're really talking about here. I am not looking to be taught. I have been taught by the school system my whole life, and that didn't really work out for me at this point. And I'm losing trust in things. So I'm not looking to be taught. I am looking to be enlightened. And I look forward to what you're going to drill down to right now, which is ESG. Very, very important on how we can actually move forward in our industry, make it sustainable. Everyone wins. We're talking about an unwritten joint venture here. The joint venture is between the people, the operators, the environmental regulatory bodies, the governance. We have an unwritten joint venture and a responsibility to get through this. And I think this show is, is going to be absolutely fantastic. Sir, what do you have for us on ESG today? Well, to start with, <clears throat> thank you for, uh, you know, again, it's just, I love being with you guys. I love listening to the podcast, but I'd love to start with the first letter E. You know, we talk about, we hear the word environmentalist in the oil and gas industry. That's like kryptonite to Superman, right? Our initial reaction is what? This is the person that's not only going to tell to take me, my job. It's not only take my job. They're going to make it difficult. They're going to create all this stupid stuff. They're going to get in the way. They're going to, there's some, you know, some bird that may or may not be, at, you know, uh, at risk for being extinct that I have no, no idea what, what my attention, I'm not trying to hurt anything. But you're going to label me as this is this evil person who's trying to commit all these issues, and you're going to do nothing but be against me. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody doing an audit. Like you're here to you're the safety person's here to just make my life difficult. There are environmentalists. We actually have one coming on our show. Not all environmentalists are the same, and it seems like a basic premise to drill down and say, "Well, no, of course not," because not everybody in the oil and gas industry is the same. But but if I would ask you, I challenge the listener, challenge y'all, do you approach? environmentalists in, in that way? Is this a rhetorical question? I don't know about either one of you two gentlemen personally, um, but if you're human, we have a tendency to, to group and stereotype and just kind of, it's confirmation bias. You're confirming there's there's yet another environmental wacko who doesn't yeah. understand. Not environmentalists, but flat earthers, definitely. 
<laughs> so that's a great that's a great, I, mean, I know for you guys, you guys especially probably, i mean it's like you probably sit awake at night like i do going where, where but here's a quick perspective on me a little insight we i have the opportunity of working on a real project we're talking about a copper molybdenum play in central arizona we're trying to get it to the next level and really provide an operator and a mining company the opportunity to get a lot of copper molybdenum out of the ground as we're preparing for growth and we need that resource so Talking about the environmental stuff, I am learning a ton about the certain cactuses and, and plants, and and I am not having a knee-jerk reaction to this, and here's why. I have taken the responsibility, knowing how joint ventures actually work, as being the guy who better understand all the economic risks of this potential opportunity. If I don't do my job and find out that there's an environmental group that knows exactly what I have to avoid to avoid getting fucking smashed with economic problems and all, and all these fines we have to deal with we are what am i doing no i need to know exactly what that looks like and i better know it better than them as quickly as possible when we got drilling rigs going out there and we're building new roads that is what i my reaction is to environmentalists and, that, and that's exactly what it should be that finding and then also i think and i'd be curious if you found did you find yourself at all um going deeper and more and understanding more of what they thought or what they would come from. Cause sometimes we run into these issues and they may not be about economics for them. It may not be about, uh, you know, expansion and progress. There's an element that that's a Western uh, mindset as well. You know, that we were, that's just kind of how we're wired. There's a lot of people that are wired. There's cultures, entire groups and civilizations that are not interested in that. I mean, as much right. as that seems odd. And so I'd be curious to know, did you find yourself at all challenged in what you thought and then, and then how did you process that? Because Again, we talked about this, but that that need to go internal, like, well, okay, well, what do I got to do? And not just do it just to get it done, but can I really understand? Can I really relate and start to see what they're asking and what they're, well, why, why is this cactus so dang important? Mm. I wasn't worried about why. They, I'm not a botanist. I like the cactus. I like looking at them. They're beautiful. I don't mind it. I'm trying to start a business that's going to be successful. So what I did is machine learning, spreadsheet all plants animals that if we f up on this program we are going to get fined this much per animal based on this this decision that's been made long before i knew this opportunity even exists i'm not challenging it i'm putting it in a, in a in a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet is linked to a schedule that says hey troy remember two months ago you talked about these details here's a reminder and here's that list and i got to put that in front of every meeting that we have with everybody involved i have reminders that are like hey everybody this is actually a real thing because i can't rem i can't remember yesterday so i trust that this system and this documented problem that we have and the ability to use computers and the ability to use you know something that can schedule and get ahead of schedules that's that's what i did and that's what we're doing that we i can't rely on just myself it's it's too big of a problem and, and you're and look you have to be pragmatic about it there, that, that's a big part of it too there's a measure so i mean i've I don't want to contradict what I'm saying before about not being able to measure things or whatnot, but there are certain elements that you can. And so I think you measure and you, and you evaluate and you create a value around the things that you can, especially relative to the operation. So there, there's, that's the discipline part, right? We need to make sure that we're, we're studious in, in terms of how we're doing these things and look at it beforehand. I think there's so much around the environmental side. If you're just proactive, it's, 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 we've said it, um, this is not a new concept, but, but looking at going forward and even, it's your sense about expanding what even it could be and, and understanding that, that, you know, the physical, the physical layout of the place that we're going to go 
when we, we need to extract something from the ground, we need to extract a mineral, a resource of any kind, you know, there's, that's a process and there's going to be change and there's going to be, and you can look at it like, um, you know, I can re I remember the old movie Pale Rider with Clint Eastwood. I may be dating myself a little bit, but it, <laughs> They, I mean, in it, they show the guy, he's a miner and they use this uh, water, This they, they use this uh, kind of like this trickle down aspect. They didn't have really a lot of super, um, the machinery wasn't as advanced as we have now. So they would, and they, and they added some to it and they would actually blast almost with water instead of like pan, panning it out. And he goes and does this business meeting and they tell him that he's raping the land. And if, is this a subtle part of the movie? Those who have seen it, but the people, and this is in the, you know, this is in the 1800s kind of stuff. And this is, Back then, there was people that were looking at it going, oh my gosh, you're like water jetting the side of a mountain just to get minerals out. Oh my, look, you're destroying the, the natural aspect of what's going on here. So the conflict and the emotional side of why that cactus is important or the transfer of resources out of the ground and the integration we have to get into that formation or that earth to change it and the impact that we have on it. <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> sorry. Yes, it may have a business element. Yes, it may put dollars in the bank and yes, it may put dollars in our pockets. But, there, but there's a cost besides that. And that's the real part of the ESG that I don't think has been accounted for for a long time. There's a social cost for operating that way. There's, a, there's another, there's a, if you want a governance this way, it's not just money. It's, it's making that cost, it's part of that aspect that's making that possible. There's other elements. And if you don't have to measure them, you can ignore them like you just said. But if I'm not taking into account the social impact of what I'm doing, having a massive layoff and i mean maybe you're like oh it sucks i'm upset about it but the the residual impact that that has right now one of the reasons we're starting this podcast is the 25 to 35 especially the and even the late teens people coming up in into the into the professional world forever right you guys tell me oil and gas great way to go lots of money you can take your talents you know like to south beach you can take them to the oil and gas industry and make a lot of money we're not seeing that like we were before that's mm -hmm. right and in promising money, I have a good friend of mine who's a senior, way senior at Schlumberger. I mean, he reported to Gould when he was there, tells a story about his daughter graduating college. And he has this conversation with her where he literally says, uh, you know, so where are you off to next? Because you're getting a job and they're going to, and she's like, well, I'm going to stay here in Houston. And she, he's like, well, what if they don't send you to Houston? And she literally looks at him and says, no, dad, that's your choice. I don't care what job I have to get this getting me to stay here. I'm not going to take the best job that's going to send me to Angola. Because I don't want to do that to my family. Mm -hmm. Send that to me. So there's a generational uh, impact of what we've been doing and how we've been running things in terms of what we expect. And so there is a group, and it's, and it's led by the quote unquote millennials, even the millennials are in their uh -huh. early 40s. That's a favorite buzzword. It's not the 19 year olds on the cell phone. These are people no. in their late, I mean, 81. Right. right. That's, that's my brother. My brother's at the top end of that, and he said it perfectly. He goes, we're in between the boomers and the Zoomers, man. we got to make sense of this shit. I was going to say, I think I'm the last year of the millennials prior to Gen Z. I right. think it's, uh, yeah, I think, or I think, well, one year. I think it's 95 is the cutoff. Yeah. So, uh, and whoever, right, whoever gets to decide, I mean, whoever that person is that decides what that is, right? Yeah. I don't know. yeah. <laughs> but the, the perspective of, of, the, of living with the history of, okay, let's go get a job where we just make money. Let's go live, a, go have a career where it takes us wherever we're going to go just to make the most money. There's a cost to it. I think there's a lot of people, especially the senior guys, senior men and women would tell you there's a, there's a, there's a cost of being away from home. Yeah. I remember reading Andrew Gould's uh, profile years ago at Schlumberger because everybody in the, in, in the company had a, you get to write like a bio and like a personal statement. So he wrote it because he literally says, 
uh, they told me that everybody comes and looks at mine, so I'm going to write it. And he basically says, if you think being CEO of Schlumberger is glamorous and amazing, and you know, it seems like it to us, oh, they're always speaking and pictures yeah. everywhere, and everybody wants to hear, you know, they're like E.F. Hutton or whatever. You know, every time they start talking, you're like, oh, got to listen. The wise man on the hill is like, I'm away from my everybody for like 11 months out of the year. I'm never mm -hmm. home, and I haven't been forever because this is not this one fun, fun, uh, amazing job. It is yeah. recording and the rest of these things, but there's a price. And so all that yeah. kind of go back to what you're talking about, Troy. It's like you have this financial security, right? But at what cost, right? You're right. now, like you said, I'm not spending time at my family. And it's like, how does that affect your quality of life, right? Like you don't need to worry about, you know, you know, the electric bill or the rent this month, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, I wish I could spend time with, you know, my son or daughter has you know, a football game this weekend. Like right. I'd like to go watch, right. <laughs> but and I can't. So it, it's a paradox. And there's, there's a, so there's a cost, I think qualifying what you can, you know, measure what you can, what you can, that it makes a direct impact, but it is imagining, and you talked about this before, Troy, it's expanding your thought process to go, what else is being sacrificed? What else is being asked of those that are involved in this? Yep. It, it's going to make this thing happen. And am yeah. I, and am I good with that? That's right. And yeah, this kind of transitions right. into the social, the S of the yeah. environmental, social and governance subject we're talking about today with Mr. Sean McCoy. I'm going to grab a water bottle real quick. So I'm going to edit this out and, uh, <laughs> and then we'll get it. Uh, we'll get right back into it. So skips where, where are you physically? Uh, California. Oh, nice. what part? At the moment, yeah. So uh, Ventura County, do you know Camarillo by chance? I'm trying to because I was in, I've been all up and down California. I've been to, I was in San Diego in the Navy, been to Northern California a bunch, I've been uh, Paso Robles. I used to go through that area. And where are you? You're, it's Southern, right? It's near LA. Yeah. So it's uh, where I'm at right now is in between uh, LA and Santa Barbara, just kind of like smack dab in the middle between there. So when you're going down the 101, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, yeah, you drive through, gotcha. but, uh, <laughs> so were you stay, so were you in the Navy? Navy? You're in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was going to say you, I mean, you know where Point Magoo is? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Right here. That's where, okay, that's where okay. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. yeah you just got to yeah. find the language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like landmarks. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Well, so you're in Houston right now. Yes, sir. Yeah. Ooh, how's how's everything there as far as things opening up again and all that so, or, closing it, again. or closing again yeah yeah you know texas as a state just hit a million covid cases and um but people are it's such a i don't i don't know how to explain it other than you know you, you just don't go out as much but we're not mm. quarantined all the time yeah and everybody's taking precautions but I just, what's that it's against our nature as oh, Americans and just normal. Human beings. I mean, we're social creatures. <laughs> yeah. Zoom is great, but I'd rather be sitting in a conference room with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 100%. That's, that's where social comes in, I think. That's a great transition to this because you're talking about, do I respect you enough or do I respect myself enough to know that we can sit down in the same room and we can actually have a cocktail together, eat a meal together, and we're not going to get COVID-19, right? That's what we're talking about now with social impact of all that we do in this, in this journey as environmental, social, and governance through oil and gas industry. What's the social aspect of actually companies getting back together, getting people back together, and moving this thing forward? So I think responsibility is a really big part of what you just talked about. And so where the, the issue there isn't even 
whether or not you're kind of in the same room together, but are you being responsible relative to the opportunity to influence others? And so if I, if I expose you to a virus, if I expose you to something, um, even an idea, you know, it's, it's, it's on me to regulate that. And it's on me to make sure that if I bring something to you and I, you know, some sort of social interaction, even if you will, the context by which I bring that to you and how I interact with you in that world, and it brings in a little bit of the political element. We're always politicking, whether we like it or not. And that's not just limited to, to what we consider, you know, bureaucratic type government politics. I just mean, you're with your kids, you know, you start to you understand, know, how, how do you negotiate with people that you know? How do you negotiate with your friends? How do you negotiate with your loved ones, your wife, your spouse, your husband? There, there's this, how do you interact with people? We're always, it's why there was this love affair uh, with President Trump that I just told it like it was. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people that like that because they get past all the, I can't really tell them what I think. There's this filter, there's this issue. I can't be, I can't think what I want or say what I want. There's a little yeah. bit of a reservation there. And then when somebody does it, you almost feel like a liberation side of it. And so it's kind of like back to COVID. I want to get out of the house. I'm not going to spread it. I'm not the one that's going to do it. And so you're willing to take a little bit of a, a different uh, perspective on it in terms of how you interact with people and understanding that we are different in the United States, especially Western culture is a, especially the U S we're, we're rooted with a bunch of guys that just didn't like to be taxed. And we didn't want to put up with somebody else's, you know, being in charge of us. Like we've been rebels since the beginning. That's what we <laughs> think about. It. I mean, created a similar, yeah. system. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like, and if I don't like it, I'm gonna go somewhere else and you can all go pound sand and you know, look at, look at, I mean, that's what Texas did against Mexico. We just decided we didn't like the way the rules were anymore. So we changed them. And anyway, so anyway, all that to say, it's kind of in our blood to kind of push back against, and there's, and there's a healthy aspect of that, of just not adhering to whatever authority tells you, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, there's an element of that saying, well, is this the right thing? I don't think so. And if you just, whereas other more kind of societies and cultures that say, uh, we're just going to kind of do, you know, I love the British, that there's a British sense of, uh, you know, fair play and, and loyalty and duty and, and honor and stuff like that, that they have relative to themselves. It's kind of this inherent thing. So all, all that to say, there's an, there's an individual responsibility that starts out that becomes very difficult, again, to, to understand where my role is and what I'm responsible for. And from you take that into a, to your business. What role does your business have, yours, Troy, and yours, Skips? What role, besides servicing your customers, providing the best products, hiring, hiring the best talent you can, and making sure that the numbers are black and not red, what else are you required to do? And, and the real problem there is there's an opportunity to do all kinds of things, but there's not there's also not a requirement to do something. So you get to decide on that. And it really becomes a difficult issue because again, now, now the barometer, the bar is moving. This, these people over here decide this is what they want. And what do you do when you have investment groups and you have finance people and you have corporate or you have, or you have public uh, perception that says we want this type of company. And you're like, well, I don't want to be that kind of company. You know, I mean, I'm willing to kind of do these things, but I'm not going to go all like this, you know, and because because the problem there, too, is you start to see we've seen it. If you mandate diversity based on certain numbers, percentages, right, is and the, the big pushback on that is, you know, is that being equitable or is that is that truly using equity as an opportunity? Is it giving everybody the same opportunities? I mean, we have to have a certain number of people, a certain type of person for every type of job and for every type of person. And how do we just find people now? And it gets complicated, you know, where does gender come into it? Where does race come into it? What defines those kinds of things? And can I claim if my great grandmother was a Native American and I'm, you know, I'm Sean McCoy, I've never even been to an Indian reservation, but can I claim that I'm a, a minority kind of thing? So, okay. so right, it becomes, it becomes difficult in terms of that aspect from, because now the companies are all sitting around going, well, what the heck do I do? Because they don't want to not adhere to it. 
So that's mm -hmm. the social part of ESG. It's the uh, the idea that you got to be equal rights to women, men, color, gender. Is that what the social is? Sense, yeah. So how how a company embraces those 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 issues? What are you doing as a company to be diverse? What's the suggestion? Well, so a good example right now, if a, kind of a barometer. Uh, publicly traded companies, and you also have to remember publicly and privately traded companies are going to be looked at a little bit different because privately sure. traded companies can kind of tell people that's that's a nice suggestion, but go away. And the public traded companies have a have, do have a public uh, obligation to their not only the, the public per se, but definitely shareholders and stakeholders, if you will. So, so that element around socialism is it's what a good example recently is it um, looking at publicly traded companies at their board, at the board makeup, and literally break it down, age, race, gender, things like that, and look at it and say, is there anybody that's not a white guy or a white woman on that board? Start with that. Just one. Is there at least one on a board? And so the, the problem or the, the ideas that I have with this whole, I, this whole subject is, you know, when did it stop becoming about, uh, be, when did it stop becoming about skill this job requires a certain set of skills a certain function of your brain and hands to operate a computer most likely or some other physical thing that you have to do that's black and white this guy was able to answer all the questions this guy was able to answer all the questions except for one is the problem that you're not being uh fair because you're implying that everyone that is applying for this job didn't have the same opportunities to learn the skills at the same level what's the problem here so part of the problem is that is the typical um uh, scenario, if you will. And look, and there's a really good chance I could butcher this all together. This is an extremely difficult subject, but I'm going to give it my best. So if I fail miserably, <laughs> I throw myself at the, at the altar of forgiveness and ask that you, I'm going to do it my best because this is a, this is, this is why this subject, this is why I get all, I don't want to say defensive, but concerned when people are like, oh, we've got the standard. We know what we're doing. Here's the line. Everybody's happy. Trillions of dollars go in and we just save the world. It's, it's, it's too, it's too complicated. So the context of what you just talked about is is inferring, and don't take this the wrong way, it's inferring um, inequity around ability, inequity around uh, experience, as well as um, that there's the, the system is kind of bringing somebody up that shouldn't, right? And that gets our hairs to stand up when I've put in the work, I have the experience, I'm the best person for the job. And if you're gonna give it to anybody, you know, we don't, I mean, this has happened to us. I'm sure you guys can tell stories. When somebody's done given something or recognized for something or given a position or, or something else above you and they, and you know, they didn't earn it. And I know that's sort of some perspective there, but you know, if there's, a, if there's an argument to be made, that is a feeling that goes back to emotions. Yep. How does that feel? <laughs> well, you just got to be happy with what you got and it is what it is. On, on some level with the average person, I would argue there's a, there's a sentiment that comes with that and it's not positive to see somebody get something that you didn't, that you, that they didn't deserve. And so part of it too is back to, and you kind of alluded to it was uh, systemically and historically the opportunity for just basic education or for just, um, you know, connections in the world or just network, just, just who's deciding to help bring you along hasn't been equitable from a socioeconomic standpoint. And it's just, it's just, it's just, it's, and it's, and the real problem there is it's, is it's almost, I do think it's impossible to have this like blanket system. Right. Every kid coming out of the high school in the United States 
has had the exact same type of education, the exact Hell same. No. It's just no. So, so this is again, it's a complex problem. Well, so, yeah, okay. So the social part so, well, of the is interesting, right? Because because then you're looking at yeah. so when I hire, because like you just said, you're the business side, and this is the and it's not a blind spot, but you're like, I want to hire the best person. That's your, that's your right. intention, right? And so, the, and so the expectation is you look and, you know, here's this, well, if historically, the pro, part of the problem is, if historically the people that have gotten there by this time, especially as they become senior, if they've had 20, 25 years in, that's a 35, 40 year representational life, even before that, they got that person in that place. So mm -hmm. 40 years ago, uh, certain systems and certain things were in place that didn't allow for, um, for lack of a better word, an equitable opportunity for somebody else to experience that, or they've come along and they're not quite as experienced. To your point is you just give it to that person because well they didn't have it they didn't have it fair so the way to make it fair now is to make it unfair right that's the real so we, we're gonna make we're gonna so so by we're gonna offset discrimination by being discriminatory that's the real problem i think a lot of people have around the social side is that doesn't make any sense if i force if i force something on some level to happen but what what we've seen and i think we now and this is where you want to be because you have to be nuanced so around board makeup i think if you start to if you start to dictate a certain percentage of anything, white, black, I don't care what, you are going to limit yourself around that. I think, but I do think that we do have to take a step back and ask ourselves: is if it's nothing but white guys, you're telling me there's not one person that's not like that that could have that could have filled that board spot? And I had to take a long, hard look at that. And it was a recent article, do some digging around this subject that I'm looking at. Yeah, my first reaction is kind of like, oh. And I don't want, if it's unfair, it's unfair for everybody. It doesn't help anybody. And so did we just, did we just lose skips? Uh, his, his video will come in and out. Yeah, okay. but yeah so, we lost him completely for a second. So how, how do we address, how do we address this, um, this inequality if we at least don't take a start with it? And, and is it, can we say at least is there one? I don't think that's a good place to start. And there's also an opportunity back to the steadfastness around the evolution side is starting in an area and trying to see what works and let's, how do we help? Bring apart, bring about that, that equitable thing. Are there rules? Are there rules in the social part of this where they say, Yeah, oh yeah, they're trying. Okay. They're trying. I mean, you and get it. Rules like if you have 5,000 employees, one third needs to be women or some some rule that says that. Wow. And, and they. That's, and that's where the hard part is, is everybody's trying to define those parameters. Oh, man. Right. So now. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's established business. All of a sudden, new rules come in and put this pressure on an established business that had no worries of any of that. Now, all of a sudden, they have to abide by those things or what, the SEC comes after them or something? Well, so th this is also part of the problem as well, is that, you know, what's the uh, governing authority and any of this is going to come in and say, well, you know, PBE, you're not... Um, and you're not adhering to such and such. So here's the here's the rule you broke, and we're going to enforce it based on some sort of authority. Wow, um, governance. Right. So most there's some there can be there can be. I mean, we can legislate anything, and that's part of the things with our you know with you know President like Biden coming in is that there's this you know fear now that okay all of a sudden they're going to literally legislate through Congress and just and just mow down and like create these standards like you're talking about. We're going to have to, everybody's going to have to have a job and everybody's got to have income and we're going to become China and all this other stuff. Right. And so, so in that, in that context, it becomes very easy to get, let that kind of fear slip in and think, okay, right. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have this slight, you know, sliding scale where it's, I'm going to be forced to. Um, you again, especially private business, you get to, there's going to be state and local and federal laws, but if it's not a law, 
there are standards you can adhere to, like industry standards that are saying, here's what we think the bar should be. You got to find yours. In a sense, this is where some of the work comes into it. As a company, you're going to have to go find out what, what are your peers doing. And then if you're going to ask for funding, if you're going to ask a finance side, one of the things I really uh, become real clear to me in the last six months to a year is the, they, they come up with their own set of rules. Like if somebody goes to bar, when a bank, you know, when a bank, you go to borrow money from a bank, they can't, they, this bank is different than this bank. Oh yeah. Bank wants these, so it could be the same thing. If you want, you know, investor capital from this group, here's what we think you should be. And, and, and how they enforce that is just whether or not they do business with you at the end of the day. Yep. So it's not a punishment per se. It just may not be an opportunity because you're not adhering to a certain level of expectation. Now, as you, and I know, I'm just guessing the way your mind works, you know right away that how that can be manipulated you know, how that can be misrepresented, you know, and, and is it really working? You know, is it, let's say you meet it. Does that mean that now all of a sudden there's no more social issues? <laughs> does, yeah, sure. You know, it's like if, if I just, if I hire, you know, a certain amount of people, now everything's just fine. And it's, and it's, that's, so that's part of, that's why this part of the, this part of the uh, conversation, if you will, is so difficult because then you walk away going, I didn't, I don't have, I don't know what the heck to do now. Right. So where are the front lines of all of this? If, if I was just listening to this show, yeah. which I am, and I'm learning about ESG, what if the E, S, or G is really the front lines of making the most impact tomorrow? Is it government coming up with new rules tomorrow? Is it operators coming up with new ideas how to deal with the old problems tomorrow? It's talking, it's what, what we're, we're going to do on the podcast specifically because this conversation is, is difficult is we're just gonna tell stories. Our main feature, we're gonna have three segments. The main primary feature is just telling a story, literally a case study of a business that is using a real tangible business oriented process, technology, operation. You know, They're doing something within the confines of their everyday uh, business that as a result has an impact on one of those three. That, so we're just gonna, we wanna, why it's called Elevate, we just wanna tell that story and bring it out there to people so that you can hear what are they? What is, what is such and such company doing? I mean, kind of a quick example, uh, Silver Wolf Midstream is one of the companies where we've interviewed. Uh, they took an existing pro, uh, uh, pro, a petroleum pipeline in, in Michigan. Michigan as a state is unique. 80% of the energy is generated in the winter when it gets a little cold in Michigan and they use propane. It's all propane. And if they don't have propane, there's massive parts of the state that only have wood chips as a backup. Whoa. So pro, yeah. In the U.S. today. I didn't know that. So, so they, what they did is they took this existing uh, infrastructure pipeline and they invested in it because it was going, it was actually not being used anymore and they're flipping the direction and they're using it to move uh, propane so that you don't have to worry about cars, you don't have to worry about trucks as much. So you have a massive social impact because now, just to be frank, less drivers on the road, less big trucks on the road, that means less big accidents, less issues like that. That equates to real life people, their lives being impacted both from a quality of life and their actual life being alive as well as you can talk about insurance rates and cover in transportation costs and reinvesting in the infrastructure of roads because this trucks tear it up every day. So, so you have the that. Lines, the front but, lines of ESG are happening with the companies currently that are certainly making money, but yes. also making an impact on the on our society, on our infrastructure, yes. on how this thing actually operates. Right. That's who has the most responsibility in this country yeah. right now. And so, and so the answer, so, and, and look, listen, read, go read, go, you know, do as much Googling as you want. You'll find it's an endless source of information. But 
what are you doing? So this is why we're telling these stories about these companies. This company's doing this. Halliburton just invested into a completely separate company called Halliburton Labs. They're using the infrastructure physically, um, uh, their supply chain, their actual people, basically embedded in their, their facility here in Houston, their head, global headquarters in the north of Houston. And they're bringing companies in and they're letting them utilize their facilities to develop their ideas and products. There's like second level, you know, beyond the napkin. It's proof of concept already. Now we're getting the second level phase and they're, and they're helping, helping amplify the ability of this product to take off. And it has nothing to do with what? what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Halliburton's done this? Yeah, it's called, so again, so this is a good example, right? Right. Awesome. Yeah, so it's called Halliburton Labs. Um, Scott Gill is the, the executive director. You're probably one of our first- You know him? Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, can we get a phone call going with Scott, me, you, and Skips? On, here's an idea. We got like a, we got more ideas than there are rocks, man. <laughs> One of these things gonna make a lot of money. No, and that's the, so. So this is the kind of stuff is it, as long if it fits within their parameter. That's why they're creating this. So that so that's what we're doing is we're telling. This is what Halliburton's doing because the typical the typical PR for Halliburton is what between uh, former Vice President Cheney and Macondo, Halliburton's this bad word, right? Everybody thinks it's either, you know, KBR and part of Cheney's, you know, the Gulf War, the, the second Gulf War, he's just doing, if that was that whole thing, all the contracts that KBR got because it was a subset of Halliburton and it was just Dick Cheney hooking up his Halliburton friends because he was a former CEO. Uh, so it's all this. So that's the public has that perception of Halliburton. Yeah. Right? And then you have the deep water. So there's all that stuff or the Macondo. And then you have, you know, so the public doesn't know any better. So they just yeah. think they're this evil company that just, Wow. What a great story. Okay. You thought that, and it could, a lot of that stuff could be true. A lot of it's conspiracy. What are they doing now? They're providing a lab where people are coming together with new ideas, elevating. I mean, come on now. This, ah, history is what it is. What are they doing today? They're motivating. Right. So, so, the, so the idea is, is so instead of, instead of trying to move the whole mountain, you know, just, just do what you can with what's in front of you and then celebrate and be honest with it about what about the effort and then the, the other hope about our show is that it also has companies ask themselves well what are we doing what else are we doing you know and why can't we do this if they're doing this why can't we do that i mean we have the same resources maybe we have better resources maybe we even have better people we may maybe do that idea better but instead of it being something where it's like this lost cause and it becomes so overwhelming you don't want to do anything pick a lane pick a pick a letter pick letters if you can because that, that project in, uh, in Michigan also helps the environment. Cause so instead of having this, you know, miles and miles of pipeline doing nothing and rotting in the ground, which nobody wants, right? You now environmentally improve the area because now you're utilizing this existing infrastructure. Yeah. So that's, so now you're taking care of E, you're taking care of S. And you could argue and throw in G in there as well because you're going, the, 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 the governance aspect of the company decided to, to go into this a little bit differently and to use this as part of their decision-making process. So now you can celebrate that. And here's what, the, so then I'm a midstream company. What am I doing? Is this, this might be something, what about existing infrastructure that's out there? Can I reutilize it in a different way? You get a better payout rate overall from a business standpoint, because you don't think about it. Instead of the cost of rehashing existing infrastructure versus building something from completely new, Keystone XL has been going on for how long? So that's a business sense. So, that, so now you get to check those boxes back to what you're talking about winning, if you will. And that way there's a win and it doesn't feel hollow when you say that everybody wins. It actually That's is something right. where everybody gets a benefit from it. People are tired of getting bullshitted. So right. rightfully right. so. Uh, that's interesting, man. That was a great, 
I didn't realize this until now, but we kind of had the cons- uh, the complete beginning of the completion part of the show just now. We've been now focusing on, well, all right, if ESG is the future of how business that actually has money and the responsibility to move forward with making the right decisions, if that's in- ingrained in everything that they do, well, that's where we could focus our time and attention now for the best future. Yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. We, we need to be honest and we need to be humble about where we've been and where we're going. We have to realize that we're not going to probably be, we're not going to be the sexy, romantic, front of the line, shiny example of business that we've been for a long time. Tech companies and people like that, are, they've taken over, right? Google, regardless of what you think of them, Apple, Microsoft, that's where, that's the romance is that way. We need to be okay with that. We need to let, we need that, that part of the stage of our, of our life cycle. We need to be okay with that as long as they're making responsible decisions, right? As long as they're being transparent in the fact that they're doing, they are being a reflection of what we're looking for as a collective mindset, as a country, as a people, as a governance, as an environmentalist, whatever. Um, Skips, you got anything as we get into the completion part of this show? Now, this is what I was, this is where I cut out, but this is where my brain was thinking. So I don't, I don't mean to backtrack on you here, but when you're talking about the social aspect, you're not only talking, you're, you're talking about the social aspect as far as like, you know, the outside perspective on this particular corporation, but you're also talking about the implications of the organizational behavior internally. So kind of touching on, and I, 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 I thought that was really interesting as far as the qualifications that you were talking about, right? Because maybe you're qualified for that position you know, more so than someone else, but someone else's diverse background might bring in new ideas into that circle. That's, that was kind of where my head was going. I don't know exactly where that conversation led off to. <laughs> well, 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 so, but it, so that touches into an area. I remember uh, back to Andrew Gould when he was at uh, the CEO of somebody, there's a story about him in Saudi Arabia and he's giving this presentation and they, the base of the Saudis asked to some degree, uh, you know, what do we need to do to improve our ability to, to, to do business and where, where, what's, what's holding us back? Where's our, where's our bottleneck? And he literally, the story goes, he points over at one half of the room, which is basically the women being, you know, in the burqas being, kind of being ostracized. He said, half your workforce is being held back and you're not engaging them. It's like, that's your problem. You know, you're engaging half. Yeah. So if we look at this less as, um, and I know sometimes we say, so it's, it's about the best qualifies about whatever else or, or the, who gets the job. We have to recognize the fact that there's a lot, of, especially at the higher levels. A lot of it is who, you know, a lot of it is networking. A lot of it isn't necessarily the best person. It's the person that yeah. you, you know, and even in, in the most qualified persons like sports, the most talent may not be the best team. The most talented team may yeah. not be the best team. Right. And so just being talented, that may not be enough. And back to this diversity of opinion, diversity of perspective, and giving weight to that and realizing that maybe it's not meeting all the typical standard check boxes you want for a board member or for a vice president or for some in HR, but can they bring in this other viewpoint? And they still have to have basic value from a yeah. you know, competency standpoint. You're not just grabbing somebody off the street or in, in line at the convenience yeah. store. You, you're, there's an elemental aspect of it that says they have to qualify to some degree, right? But giving that, giving that open opportunity to it for a different perspective. And what does that even look like and feel like? And mm-hmm. if you've only heard kind of the one narrative or you've only kind of been around one group of people, back to Schlumberger, because it it's always been a great experience of mine. In Sugarland, at one point, I remember there was a sign up that they told us there was 54 nationalities in that one product center. 
Yeah. One time, 54. That's um, and not, crazy. and not like my four, you know, four generations ago, my great somebody was Irish. And so now I'm Irish because my last name is McCoy and I spell my name Irish, right? Even though I've been to the, I've, not, I've been to the UK, but I've never, I have not been to Ireland, been to the other islands, but um, so that, so that these are like people that were really from there. So when you worked with them, you worked with somebody from the, from the Congo, you worked with somebody who grew up in France. This person is from Scotland. And so, and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to enrich. It's like gumbo or it's like chili or whatever else your favorite soup It's all these different elements that go into it. Right. Love that. If we don't allow for that, we don't allow for that. And we just stay where we've been in our lane. Right. I mean, you create like this echo chamber, right. And then that's like the worst case scenario right now that we're, now we start to go down these rabbit holes and we have no new perspectives, right. right? We're on, we're unable to take those step backs. So yeah, that's, that's freaking awesome. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was the last thing I had. I know I missed out on a lot of the policy stuff, but <laughs> no, 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 coming through. I love that. All right. So we're in the completion part of the show and almost done with the recording of this thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to make two comments that I think are logical and, 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 and suggest something that I believe is true value and where we could focus on how we can move ESG forward the most efficient, accurate, safest, best, most successful way possible. So here are my comments, and then I'm gonna drop the bomb. You have environmental, social, and governance. Let's look at social. Social is built on the people. The people have an internal thing that is important to them that doesn't make sense to anyone around them. I think that's logical to say that is a very difficult bottom to get to, to have a consensus of how things are working and how we should move forward. That's a very difficult one, the most difficult one in my opinion. Then you have governance. Governance is making decisions and rules based on the social aspect of this thing. They're taking environmental into, into, in, in consideration. But they're really worried about the people and making sure that the people are protected and you're governing and that's the governance part. So that is closely and way too closely tied to the people and how they feel individually in that whole endless bottom of, of figuring that out. So then we have environmental. Environmental is rooted in science. Environmental is rooted in the physical world. And when you study the physical world, and right now it's a earth science revolution happening in concepts. I'm not talking about a minor tweak. I'm talking about a complete revolution in earth science. Now, environmental to me has the most grounded foundation to start the argument and how we're gonna move forward. It's the science. Now, if the people don't believe in science, well, that's probably one third of the people. Let's manage that situation, figure out how they can help. But the reality and the most logical thing, in my opinion, is to focus on environmental, being grounded in what's happening in earth science revolution, specifically in this process called serpentinization. That's completely unfamiliar to all of us, but it's there. The data. Yeah. You, you introduced that phrase to me. Yeah. That's it. That, so, so let's go there. Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson. What, how do you say his name? Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson is there in the latest episode of the Cosmos. Uh, Joe Rogan is there with his get. People are talking about serpentinization. 
we have the geologic context of it uh, in the geology world. That's where we live. That's how we think constantly of the physical world. How did we actually get here? Life, the cosmos, the rocks, the processes that make hydrocarbon and what is the business that we that they are all in trying to make better money. It comes back to the environment, comes back to the physical world. We can look down at our feet and be grounded in this truth and start figuring it out from there with some governance of, of logic and what how the actual process works then we'll come together then we'll make an impact on the social then we'll make the right governing calls and we'll move this thing forward that's my argument right and so it seems to make sense to start with the logic and the science and so what, what we'll do is we'll start with that one and it, it reminded me of when vice president-elect kamala harris was was in the debates with with uh with with the uh, former vice, vice president pence she said, talking about global warming, that we have this number all the time, 97% of scientists agree that we've had an impact on climate change, right? Or their climate, or we're, humans are having an impact on climate change and we've felt this way for 20 years. And when she said the science is clear, what I thought was really interesting about that statement was I would make the argument with her that the science is not clear, right? Otherwise and, it'd be 100%. Well, so you, so you tell me what scientists or what people on any level on any subject agree outside of like maybe basic math and stuff like that that you can get 97% of scientists in the same room for 20 years and they've never changed their mind on it. And it's the same thing. And within the science is so clear that it's, and, and even the context of those questions, it's like that toothbrush thing, two out of three dentists, uh, you know, recommend this. Well, two out of the three, three dentists that you asked. And so it's like, it's not maybe two out of every, out of every dentist that's in the world. It's yeah. you can manipulate data and make it sound you know, a certain way. And so I think part of the issue is the science, it's not only not clear, but we also don't agree on it, even though it's logical. And this goes back to the whole thing. Again, not to, not to beat it, because it's going to get, I know it's going to get, it may, you know, it frustrate people. But you can, I can give you science. I can show you, I just shared something on LinkedIn the other day, that in a, in a period of a year, you're going to get more radiation exposure from potassium 40 and eating a banana than you are standing outside of a nuclear power plant in a year. Hmm. I, can, I can show you that. I can put it on a graph. I can show you the chart. I can get you to understand Alara. I can get you to understand all these different things. I can educate you to the nth degree, but it doesn't mean that you're going to believe it. Yeah. And so then, right? And it doesn't. And it. And, that, and that's even what you know. There may be science that you're not even aware of, right? So there's there's a there's a data gap in terms of understanding and things of that nature. So the in the environmental side, it seems like the easy one. It's the one that everybody's going after because oh, we can reduce emissions and you can measure that. Right. Well, here's our targets. There's never you don't hear target. You don't hear social targets. We're going to have a black president by a certain date. You don't hear stuff like that from a mm -hmm. from a projected standpoint. But, oh, we'll, we'll reduce carbon emissions or we'll be net zero because yeah. we think we can measure it. And then it gets and you know, I mean, there's lies, damn lies and statistics. So we can make data do all kinds of things. Right. We can make <laughs> it worse or against it. So it's yep. so and this goes back to what Skips was talking about. There's a fatigue where people are starting to go. Now, I don't know what to believe in, because as soon as I put my ah. finger on this one to believe in it. I go do some more research and drill down a little bit more, find out something more. And yeah. man, I'm not being told the truth all the time. Yeah. It's not complete. And so then it starts to get you. So then the science. Well, at least people are willing to start believing. Well, so, so part of the suggestion is to, is to, is to stay again, back to steadfast, stay the course and go down that road and continue to educate yourself and not, and, and, and stay steady. Cause it's important to get it right. Cause I don't know. I, I, I'm torn on a personal level. I don't want this. I mean, I know we have an impact, you know, it's this argument. If I water a plant that was going to die before, I'm making it that I'm impacting the climate by keeping the plant alive. Or if I dig up a bush in my front yard, I've impacted the climate. I mean, where does that start and stop and end? Not to be mm -hmm. not to be like, uh, you know, tried about it, but it's. I mean, to what degree are you talking about here? 
in terms of the impact that we're having. Oh man, you're okay. So I love the dirty heads, man. It's a song called in my head. I'm in my head. I'm in my head. That's what he's talking about. I'm in my head. Cause he's, he's saying, tell me your feelings because I have those feelings too. You feel torn. I feel the tear. But we're not healing unless we're doing these conversations. We're not healing unless we put something forward where people can actually grab onto it. And there's some meat. There's some depth. There's no fucking conspiracy, right? There's no document that every one person can read and nobody else can read. And we all make assumptions about it. Those days are gone. The system is flipped. We're moving forward. If we're not on the same page in, in this comment, then this podcast was a potentially a waste of time, in my opinion. The, the standards that have been built that ESG is standing on are not the correct standards. The model is broken. The model is wrong. And now we're building the model to build the right standards. This is a reorganization and a new way to move forward. So, so may, maybe from maybe to help the perspective and maybe help the, the narrative in your head, think of it as incomplete versus wrong. Because wrong and no, 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 no. I, I, I object, man. I'm sorry, but I object. The 97% of the scientists who said that the, the, the CO2 emissions and they made that rule are making it on a model that is completely wrong. It's inaccurate to the nth degree in your terms. It doesn't take in what we know of the planet now and the power of our planet and the star we live on. The reality of the model is completely bad. We have to renegotiate what model we're talking about to make a decision. The 97% is based on people's opinions. That's a, that's a group of scientists of people making a decision on a model that is completely outdated. It is not a tweak, man. This is, this is a flip yeah and, and at some point you have to acquiesce and to say look it, it, it's a it's a it's an incorrect perspective true in terms of the this is where the politicking and the social side comes in is how do you then because you have the you have you know the vice president elect in a debate stating this in front of the, the world and there's people that will parrot this I mean, president obama did it all the time just he would just write 97 percent of scientists agree that the humans impact climate change and so when the president says that so they're going to look at me and go, or you, even though I, I'm from an education standpoint, pretty fair to argue, you know, you know what you're talking about in this world more than I do or more than President Obama does. And so, it, so the hard part is going to be, how do you get that person who sees him as his authority figure inherent because he's a president or a congressman or somebody, who's, heck, even football players or people that entertain us, we listen to, right? That's what they tell us what to buy and where to go and what to do. Yep. And so you come in, so it's, so it's a struggle. So, so I, this is where the, the work, the real work comes in on the individual. You're going to have to sit there and know all of that. You're, it's, it's the curse of knowledge in, in a sense from the vice. Say, you're going to know this and go, man, it is like talking to a wall. So nah. there's gonna be a that's part of the struggle. That's part of it. It's, and, mm -hmm. and there's it's no magic bad, formula. Other people, people are ready. They, they are, are ready. ready. They, they are ready to listen if you create a relationship with them, if you come alongside of them and bring them along and let them know that you care and let them know that you're not interested in destroying the environment, you're not just doing this as some oil company can make a bunch of money. Are those things going to happen? Yes. But if you can show that you care as well, people will respond. And so this is where, so stay true to what you know and understand the frustrations coming because that stuff is frustrating. Yeah. I, I listen, I know people like yourselves and you got, you're just sitting there going, man, what is, what do I have to, you know, what, what do I have to do? Know, to, to shine this like this is this is how you you're, you think about this one thing over here you're going to completely change the entire you know, nature of the planet and how the system works you're going to have this impact it's a that's a it's a tall order so so it is difficult in that area 
and, yeah. and the, but the, the problem is there's a wave coming and it's a, and it's this other wave of, and it and it's a lot of it's based on ignorance and a lot of it isn't. And so you're going to have to, you know, like rocks against the waves, you're going to have to stay steady and stay, stay true. Right. And just and kind of, and kind of work through it. And, and I don't know a better answer to give people because it yeah. is, frustrating. it is. I mean, I know, I know it's frustrating because you want it to be definitive. It is definitive in some sort of way. And, you know, and, and that's where I try to politic a little bit, call it incomplete call it, you know, kind of a, a stage in the process of their learning or whatever you want to call it like that. Ah, that's, see, that's where it gets funky, man. We're talking about, <laughs> We're talking about academia to its core and the understanding of the physical world. It is different. There's so much to learn. There's so much to be grounded in in the details. And to, it's the ability, in my opinion, for us to communicate at a worldwide scale like Schlumberger has proven to do a whole new way of thinking about that grounded by science, grounded by logical, a good model that makes good predictions. That's where we're at, man. So it's not a decisive conversation it is an opportunity to create something of value today and, and this is where that so part of the part of that ability to engage is going to go back to a little bit of the neil degrasse tyson there's a charisma there's a really there's an in, engagement on a personal level you're going to have to deal with that because we keep talking about it but how do i appeal to you emotionally how do i let you know that i care and, and it's authentic and it's true that's why i love yeah. podcasts i think you get to hear people you get to know them you know, like I feel like I know you guys before I ever talk to you because I listen to you. Yeah. Um, and that's important because 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 then you if I don't feel that way, you can say whatever you want. I'm not going to hear you. Yeah. That's that's it's the it's the part of that price wow. difficult. And I get it. And it's we can't stop and rely just on facts. You have to be friends and you have to be friendly as well. If you mm -hmm. really want that to go yeah. over, if you really want that to connect, you're going to have yeah. to do that because businesses do that, whether they, I mean, there's an image, a brand creates something. And this would go into the socials how you were talking about in terms of what I would argue, where do we go as people? Uh, because we're going to have differences. You two guys, when you work together, you're not just Troy, you're not just Matt, you know, you're, you're this other thing that's, a, that's made up of both. And if you can get people to see that vision and this is culture, this is community, this is a group or organization. This is this, whether it's written or unwritten, right? This is what you're creating. And if you understand that vision first, and it's this collective of, and then you find what's this thing we can believe in that we can all be a part of and truly be a part of, because this is the other problem around uh, these kinds of things. We've done this for a long time, but if you're not part of it, or you don't feel like you have a chance or a place at the table or a place, uh, you know, in the, in the system, there's not a place for you. You're going to probably reject it, especially if it's oh, yeah. counter to what you're doing. And it's, and it, and it doesn't, it treats you poorly. So the social side, it's, it's about abandoning everything that you want individually and recognizing there's a greater, you and I are, I could not be greater than you and I together. I, right. Back to logic, the collective me versus you and me, I, I, there's no way I could be better than that. Simple physics, man. Got more mass together. Right. So, that, so, 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 to, but then, but then what makes those physics work, what makes it, there has to be, if they don't relate and if they don't get along, right? There's chaos and there's more energy. <laughs> there's more energy and it's energy we can't contain, but if you can get it together and balance it, man, it's this system, it's this company, it's this culture, it's this area. Well, so, and, that's, and that's the real big thing for companies to try to overcome. And how do you create this corporate culture and back to COVID a little bit going forward, it's going to be really interesting because all this zooming and remote offices and stuff like that, how are you going to create corporate culture? If all we ever do is check each other on a screen. Yep. That's and then once, you know, quote unquote, we go back to the way it was, 
how are we going to adapt from going from zoom back into, yeah. you know, an office environment and, you know, wow. Collaborate effectively there. Right. Wow, people are going to be, I, people are so used to just, you know, sitting at home, turn off their screen, picking their nose and then, you okay. know, logging back in. And yeah, all of a sudden now I'm sitting at a desk and like, you know, I got three people right next to me. Yeah. I got to hear them talk and I got to hear them yeah. sneeze and cough. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to clean my intake real quick. Yeah. Let me turn this camera off. I got to show ah. and I got to like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, that, so that's going to be, so those are, these are challenges that are coming. And then, you know, the governance side is really, really going to be the part where it leads it. And it, and it, and it comes uh, down to people that are in leadership and, and recognizing that the power is not equitable, realizing right. that they're, the CEO of BP decides something and I decide something, the result of that are different. And understanding that the governance side has an inherent, a greater responsibility than most because they are going, they have the ability to dictate where these things go. And yeah, they, we trust they, that system, man. Yeah. Right? That's and so what does this new system look like? And how do I, how do I make the best decision? And all at the same time, taking all the things we talked about going, uh, I could get this all wrong. I could fall flat on my face. Yeah, well, well, we did, man. We did, in my opinion. We've we've done that. We've fallen. We're at the bottom. We're we're building. It's fine. America has never got to its potential, man. We're two hundred years old. It was built because King George was taxing us and going out and spending his private jets and stuff. So we wanted to do the same thing. Wait a minute. <laughs> we make. Did you, say, did you just say private jets? Well, well not in uh, King George. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to say country <laughs> version. I know what he meant. I tired. Yeah, we're in the moment, man. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, just clarifying the idea that hey, America, we have this opportunity to to take what this is and build what we want, and 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 we never got there, man. We've never gotten there. We continue to put business out on the front lines as it's making the reality because that's how people get paid, and that's how we monetize, and that's what makes the world go round. But it's not. It's not. And people are aware of this now. They feel this now. It is not. Serpentinization. The earth makes the world go round and geologic processes make this world go round. And it allows us to have the stability of air quality until something catastrophic happens, blah, blah, blah. The end of the day, I think what, what needs to happen is you, sir, Sean McCoy, needs to take a serious effort and getting involved in the politics and getting involved in finding a seat at this table to speak logically at this table and to take in those emotions and to, to metabolize them and make sense of a good decision. You, sir, have incredible talent as we just had this incredible show. Do that for us. I was going to say, you're, you're, I mean, if you get that seat at the table where you're influencing the policy, you know, behind the governance, and because that's what really, at the end of the day, right, controls everything is that policy that's put in place. And from there, right, then you could evaluate the social, environmental, and, you know, the governance aspects of it. But you need someone who understands the environmental, social, and the governance aspects in order to create that policy. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it, it's because it's a system thing. It's, it's the, been the biggest right, learning point in the last two, three years for me was, I'll just use an example. When you, when you see law enforcement have an issue um, with, you know, whether it's based on race or, or socioeconomics or something like that, there's always this, the system is what's broken or the system is what needs to be improved, I should say, because it doesn't matter who the cop is. The system, it could be an African-American cop. It could be a white cop. It could be a Vietnamese cop. It could be a woman. It could be a man. But if the system is not set up properly, the result will become what the system sets forth. It's like software. The hardware doesn't care 
the software runs it. So if the software is off, you update it. And that's a very simplistic way to look at this. Yeah. yeah. But, but if you can pull back a little bit and see that, hey, I need to change the system. And, this, and if the system was set a certain way before to only take in a certain kind of person or a certain kind of group of people, then the system needs to be changed. And that, and that change, that's that, that you talked about, that metabolism, Troy, that you're talking about, that is that chrysalis, right? It's, that worm goes and it, there's stuff going on in there, right? That's difficult and it's transformational. And it's, but on the other side is this butterfly. And that's the part we should be hopeful about is I do believe, I just haven't yet, I don't know where the extremists are and maybe it's just situational with people, but it doesn't matter who I'm talking to on any side of it. If you get them down to the base level, we're all kind of coming at this from the same standpoint. That's right. We really, really are. Right. We're, we're, hey, we're playing by the same things. And so we, and I do believe that, Troy, I do believe that we can, we can find that. And then I appreciate your words of encouragement to go out in there and make a difference. And we're going to, we want to do that with this. We want to do that uh, with this podcast and other things because it's, because people are worth it. We're worth it. Our country is worth it. The industry is worth it. The only guess industry is worth it to do this, to go through this pain with them. It is worth it. And not just because we're going to make a few bucks, but because the part that really, you know, it's saving. We interviewed a guy the other day, 24 years old, born in Nigeria by candlelight, could have died at childbirth because the only thing that they had was a candle in this place where his mother was giving birth to him in 1996. That we need to change that. That's a quality of life improvement. That's it. Quality of life. And I just had a baby and that was not the case. And I got chills when you say stuff like that, man. Well, Sean, it has been an absolute honor to share this time with you, man. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I know Skipo has enjoyed it. Uh, this is the end of the show.